Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am your host, Ryan Woody Whitledge. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Brandon Goldner. Goldner, what's up? How you doing? Uh, I see you're in proper attire today. I am. I, I am wearing my CJ McCollum uh, Rip City jersey that I got on sale from the Nike factory store last year. It's like right before, I think it was right before COVID hit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. You, know, you, a- you give it two to four months. You might be able to get that on a bigger discount had you waited. You are you're spoiling my joke for later. Um, but yeah, I figure you always come in with the blazer stuff and I'm always wearing just like a generic shirt or so I, mean, I was I, like, I, I should get I could, hand you, I could hand you something from the sports well, hutch. We have Vladimir the skeleton back there. I mean, that's pretty good, right? And we have a we have a clock. We have a, a, a weird looking jade plant. And then of course we have my my fern, which which needs water. All that that thing drinks so much water, you have no idea. It's wild. You know what you know what you actually need back there on on that little fireplace mantle? It would be great. Go down to Ball Was Life and pick up a couple of those blazer candles. Uh, You get the blazer starting five candles. Ball Was Life on Hawthorne, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, they are a great store. I've always wanted to go there. Haven't been there yet. And then one more thing. I am drinking, total segue to something else, but I'm drinking this like vanilla carbonated soda something. Um, And I have to say it's pretty good. So that's that's my full check-in. You got my blazer's gear, got my plants, got my... I got my yellow bullet. I got my yellow bullet. <laughs> you got pee water there. Good. I'm glad you got. Yeah. Glad you got pee water. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, well, how is everything going for you? And what what is up in Blazers Land slash regular land? <laughs> everything everything's going good for me. Uh, apologies to all of our listeners or or watchers. I don't know. Uh, my son threw shade at me the other day. He said he felt bad because one of our videos only had six views, and so he watched it seven times. <laughs> Shout out to Ryan's son. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it takes time to, to grow stuff. We try to share. If you're not on YouTube and haven't subscribed, we like the Blazers do that. What we will never do, Ryan, what we will never do is pay for fake views and fake subscriptions. That's not our style. Not going to do it. Uh, so we're relying only, on y'all to subscribe to us. So go ahead and do that. that that's only because I'm cheap and those prices are exorbitant. <laughs> but uh, I, it, I mean, I guess in that vein, I, I came across a rather interesting Twitter thread the other day. And it was, I can't remember the the podcast medium that threw it out there. I think it was like some little off the cuff. I may have found it from like somebody that I follow. They retweeted it or something. But it was talking about them coming up on, they were debating on doing a, a second season of a podcast that they had lost launch last year. Um, I want to say it was like a, a political podcast or something like that. And they were asking people that listen to them, what, what do they think is more important in a podcast having regularly regular and varied guests or inter or like, or sorry, let me back this up. It was, what do beep, they beep, listen to? Beep. What do they listen to the podcast for the banter between the hosts and the conversation between the hosts or because of regular and varied guests. And I know both you and I like talking to people that are in the know and in the business and getting their opinion. But I, I was curious on your take on it. Like when you listen to a podcast, do you listen to it primarily for 
the two individuals or three individuals or single individual that's hosting it, or do you listen to them more so because they're able to get, you know, good guests that are, you know, if I want to piggyback this up uh, into our case, like that are smarter than us. Yeah. It's for me personally, it's usually for the people hosting it's for that familiarity. And even for the shows that I grew up enjoying and appreciating who did have guests, it was often, the host was very solid. I'm just thinking of like, you know, like uh, Terry gross with fresh hair. It's like, mm-hmm. she would have these incredible guests, but you knew Terry, we all knew Terry. We knew how she operated in the way that she asked questions and stuff. So for me, honestly, it's more about the familiarity and the banter between the hosts than the guests. Okay. I, cause I was curious about that. And anybody that's listening, anybody that's watching, we are genuinely curious. So go ahead and hit us up at, uh, uh, like the blazers, uh, on Twitter or shoot us an email and let us know what you think. Because like on this upcoming season, like it, it, as the off season's winding down, we've been a little hit and miss with some of our, some of our recordings. We got personal stuff going on that we're trying to wrap up before we have to convince our, uh, significant others that we're going to sit down for 82 games a year and, <laughs> and watch a basketball season. I was going to say, I feel like we've done pretty well, all things considered. And yeah, it hasn't been every week, but I mean, there's also not stuff happening every week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, uh, nothing next week, but, (laughs) but, uh, but but yeah, so we're kind of curious, like as we, as we get back into the full swing of things on, on what you guys want, like I, I love talking to guests, but one of my big things that I personally love with guests is I like picking people that are in the basketball world or, or in the sports reporting world or the blazers world and talking to them about non blazer things. Like yeah. if, if news comes up and whatnot, like I'll hit on it a little bit, but I'm more curious about like how these people interact or like how they go about their job, how they got to where they are, what their lives are like and, and making them a little more personal. I, I like the humanizing aspect of, of an interview more so than I'm like, Hey, I just want to talk to that guy. Cause he's smarter than me. That's a good point. And I do think now is probably the time, especially for some of these national guests who are usually really busy during the season season and, and frankly are taking a well-deserved rest, but I know there are a couple of people who said, hit me up in the off season. And so I should probably hit some of those people up so we can get them in before the season starts anew. Um, yeah, but it is, I mean, I, yeah, go for it. As, as we both lament about how like, Oh no, I like it with the host. We're like, no, let's cram pack all these guests in here in this <laughs> well, last, I mean, couple, that's the last thing. month. That's the thing too. I mean, it should be about, I mean, I think a good show, there's a vibe to it. Something Mm -hmm. that you feel that's kind of inherent to the show and people can bring that to when they do have guests, right? So you're bringing someone into that vibe. I think about all fantasy, everything, you know, with Ian Carmel and friends and they'll occasionally have guests, but that vibe is very similar. I mean, hell Ian met his wife because she was a guest on the (laughs) show. Right. So she obviously was vibing with them and you really get that sense. And so I'm hoping that you and I, as we build rapport, we keep doing this, we do the same thing, bring people into this bubble, talk about stuff, make fun of ourselves, make fun of other people and have fun um, and get to learn something hopefully. But yeah, that's yeah. What, one of the things I really enjoyed back when I was more regularly recording the, uh, the blazer tech podcast, cause we're still up in the air on if we're going to actually have a season that would be one, two, three, four, four. Yeah. Season four, um, uh, this upcoming season. But one of the big things that I, that I did is because in the off season, my two co-hosts were like, yeah, we're not going to try to sit down and, you know, 
stretch this out and talk about random stuff once a week that, and a big part of our podcast was doing beer bets and, and making stupid bets and whatnot really hard to bet on shit that doesn't happen the following week yeah. when you're talking in the off season. So I kind of took it upon myself and I called it the overtime editions and I would go out and the, you know, that's how I originally met Brandon Sprague interviewing him, talking to him about how he got into radio and his radio career. Uh, AJ McCord, as she was coming up in the industry and whatnot with coin news six sat down and talked to her about like what it was like to be uh, a very knowledgeable woman in a predominantly male run industry and all the stuff that she's done. And now here she is being the, one of the first ish. Uh, there was another previous uh, actually on, 910 ESPN, a female sports reporter in the local market. I can't remember her name, but AJ is currently the only female sports radio host in in, in the Portland area. And, and so I (laughs) talked to her after she got that or that job too at, at 1080 about like how that felt, but you know, just sitting down and talking to people about like their stories and whatnot. It's, it's something that I want to have in the back of my head for like, Hey, if there's slow times in the season or whatnot, or, or the other good thing too, is like, if you have a generic conversation, it's good to can and hold it for like, if something falls apart and you can't host a podcast that week, it's, Hey, I can just, here's an episode of like me talking to this person kind of thing. Or you can just do what Mike Richmond does and record every single day, which is like, I, his stamina is unbelievable. And also shout out to Stevie Cozens who hosts the baseline podcast. He's also been pumping them out like every day lately. It's just wild to me. I, I have two more quick thoughts and I'll let you move it along. But one is I'm interested. You're talking about like people in the blazers media circle, how that circle either expands or changes with root sports coming in. I'm quite mm-hmm. certain that some of our most familiar names will probably be coming back and, and some of them won't. Um, and we'll probably get some new ones. So that's interesting. Then the other thought I had is just a shout out to Jackie McMullen. I mean, speaking of preeminent women Oof. in the media sports world, she's retiring today. Uh, she's been doing this for a really long time. And I've always really respected her a ton. And so congratulations on an incredible career to Jackie, someone who I've never met, probably won't ever met, but someone who I respect quite a bit. Um, I just wanted to get that in there too. She had a great, her and Bill Simmons have always had a great relationship and she's been on his podcast a lot. And I want to say it was about two weeks ago. She had a, a great about like hour and 15 minute conversation with Bill talking about her experience in, in the NBA media landscape, everything she's learned, why she decided to walk away, how she knew knew it was yeah my, so. <laughs> uh, for those who are just listening i brought my cat zora into the frame if you go there we go see if you and go scout to, it's scout if you go to youtube you can see zora and scout that's the bonus you get from subscribing to youtube okay zora says that's enough but um, but anyway so no she she had a great great piece and just talking about like why why it was that she decided to walk away i also thought that she had a really great story and uh you know spoilers here per se but espn had always bugged her for like hey we need to build your brand we need to get you out there more let's get you a twitter account you don't have a twitter account and she she never wanted one she's like i don't care about social media i i don't care about pushing my stuff or or having a brand in that in that style that's not the the way i grew up in media. Right. And so she'd always just like begrudgingly like say, okay, fine. Yeah, let's do it. And ESPN's like, great. We'll send someone to sit down with you. And she just learned over the years that if she never sent him a follow-up email to like, Hey, when is so-and-so going to come sit down with me? ESPN never sent her a follow-up email of, Hey, when can we do this? So like for the last <laughs> like three, four years, it's just been this back and forth of like, yeah, you should, we should totally get you on Twitter. And she just goes, okay. 
and then doesn't say anything and it dies. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And also that just goes to show how much power and respect she had, which was well-earned. Uh, mm-hmm. just the fact that, that she could navigate that, that way props to her. Um, and yeah, shout out to Jackie McMullen. Okay. So on this little pivot, uh, yes, I agree. Shout out Jackie yeah, McMullen. Right. Uh, so here's, here's what we got in store for you today. Obviously, uh, since the last time we talked, cause we skipped this past Saturday, we all had some stuff going on. Um, the Larry and Ance junior trade happened. We're going to talk about that first. Championship, then- baby. <laughs> Just kidding. (laughs) Not there yet. Uh, I I didn't even speak that into the mic and it's still peaked. I'm looking at my levels here. It was too loud. Yeah, no, I got, I got the echo in full force. It's sorry about that. I'm not the guy who has to edit this. That's all you. That is true. Uh, And, and then uh, as speaking of stealing things that I discovered doing on the blazer tag podcast, one of my favorite things to do, and this is where the bulk of this show is going to be. It's called the preseason roster rankings. And that is before you have seen the team play anything in preseason, season look at the roster as it stands right now and rank all the players on the roster one through in this case 13 and justify your reason for them being there uh number one is for the since 2012 has never really been up for debate but uh you know and after that things can get a little funky so uh we're gonna start this off real quick as i said Larry Nance Jr. The uh, the Trailblazers actually got off their ass and did something, and <laughs> allegedly they were trying to make a play for Lori Markkinen, uh, get in on that deal. And when they weren't able to make things work with Chicago as far as making a sign and trade goes, um, Cleveland came into the mix and was able to facilitate a three-way trade in which Laurie Markkinen uh, went, went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Sorry, Laurie Markkinen. Um, You will be missed. (laughs) Uh, Blazers legend, Laurie Markkinen. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Portland sent off uh, Derek Jones Jr., uh, who had just recently picked up his uh, player option for this coming year was considered one of our best value trade chips uh, to the bulls uh, and um, also sent off a future first round pick and a Cavs second future or future second rounder. Sorry. Yep. Um, and that brought Portland in Larry Nance jr. So when you saw this news uh, you, you joked about it already, but you started double planning the parade route, just verifying reservations. It's still going past El Gaucho, right? I was contacting the Portland Bureau of Transportation for a permit down Broadway to make sure that this triple parade would happen. Uh, But before I get into the Nance stuff, I want to ask a pre-question to this trade, and you had mentioned it, that the available reporting suggests the Blazers were trying to get Lowry Markkinen. Would you have preferred that to getting Nance. I just, I, I just think it's interesting to ask. That I question. literally do not know. I got a couple texts from friends, a couple texts from people that are a couple of DMS from people that listen to this podcast and whatnot, asking me how I felt about that. And would I have rather had Laurie Markkinen? I don't know enough about Laurie Markkinen. I'm sorry. I didn't watch the bulls that much. Um, I know that he was amongst, you know, the, the, online media circus and reporters and all that kind of stuff. He was, he was considered a good get. Um, that's all I got to base it off of. So, I mean, this is, this is 
coin flip kind of stuff. I, I know a lot more about Larry Nance Jr. than I do about him. So I literally do not have an opinion on if I would have preferred one or the other on that. Well, let me, let me tee it up this way really quick because, um, they're two very different players. Lowry Markkinen is 23. Nance is 28. So there's an age difference. Uh, the biggest thing it, without it, we're going to talk more about Nance in a second. Nance is more versatile. Lowry Markkinen is basically like a seven foot shooter at his best. That's what he is, right? He's a career 36% three point shooter, but he shot 40% last year. So um, a better Myers Leonard, Yeah, basically a better Myers Leonard. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And he, you know, a couple of years ago, people were thinking, wow, this, the guy, this guy's really on the come up. He's going to be a star. And it just hasn't broken that way for him. So let me put it to you this way for this Blazers team, for, for, it, for me, it all revolves around keeping Damian Lillard happy. Right. Mm-hmm. So for this Blazers team, whether they make a CJ trade or not, would you rather have like a giant three point shooting power forward who can't do much else? Or would you rather have a Swiss army knife power forward who is versatile, versatile defensively can't shoot as well, but is a better playmaker and just maybe just a more all around, more versatile player. Which of those two archetypes would you prefer for this Blazers team? So rewind back many yeah, yeah, podcast yeah, episodes when the, when we were still thinking uh, the bucks were going to flame out and Mike Budenholzer was going to get fired. <laughs> yeah, right. And we were talking about uh, the possibility of uh, CJ for Chris Middleton or Tobias Harris oh, or any of that stuff. And what was the thing that I was saying the most back then? I don't care who it is, as long as it provides balance for the team. So in this case, if you're going to talk about somebody with a limited specialty versus somebody who can do, he's, he's not great at anything, but he's good at everything. I'm going to lean more on the good at everything. That's totally fair. I feel as though, you know, this is not one of those trades. And I feel as though a lot of Blazers fans and even some media to that degree have been in this it's it's boomer bust, which I agree that when Damian Lillard, your star player is saying, I need a championship caliber roster that everyone's going to expect. Like, why are they not moving heaven and earth to get an all-star to get a, you know, a James Harden level player, a, you know, one of those top tier players. Why are they not doing that? But this Larry Nance move to me strikes me as that it perfectly fits the roster. It fills needs. They needed more bigs. Larry Nance can play a small ball five and he has a lot of decent skills and he's been progressing his game. Uh, You know, he, he hasn't necessarily been the world's best three point shooter over the course of his career. But if you look at his years lined up, he's been increasing that skill and moving his game out farther away from the basket. Same point in time. He's a great passer, absolutely great passer high basketball IQ, great court vision is fantastic in the pick and roll. So especially if you want to go to a small ball five kind of thing and and put him and Dame, or even if you want to run a horn set with him and Nurk and Dame on the court, this gives you a lot of options. It's almost that almost kind of leads into like with stuff that we were talking about with the Ben Simmons and how he would fit and what we kind of saw with that stuff. Um, But he's just an overall great 
like mesh glue guy. And I feel as though that he fits great into this roster or into this roster. My dream would be that somebody could realize that either CJ or Norm could just easily be handed six man of the year and insert Larry Nance Jr. into the starting lineup, balance it out a little more. Yeah, you do kind of force Robert Covington slightly out of his his now natural quote unquote position at the four, moving him up to the three, but still uh Larry Nance Jr. coming off the bench, uh playing with whatever staggered minutes Damon CJ is gonna do, that it's gonna be a great fit. And I maintain I don't necessarily necessarily need to see swing for the fences moves. I would like them. There are still improvements that can be made to this roster. I do not believe it is a championship caliber team. The team got better with this trade and the roster got more balanced. That's how I feel. That is really well put. I agree with everything you said and the podcast is now over. Thank you. If you want to reach out, just no. Uh, So So first of all, first of all, I agree with you. I would rather have Nance than Markkinen. Markkinen probably has more upside. Maybe he can turn the player that people thought he was going to be. He was a little bit younger, um, but I don't see that. Uh, Yes. Nance fits the the Blazers better now. And so I won't rehash everything you just said because I agree with all of it. Uh, two things to put a finer point on one, we're talking about someone who is, you mentioned his passing. He's not just a good passer. He's an elite passer. He's mm-hmm. like 90 plus percentile passer at his position. That means when you have people trapping Damian Lillard, you have someone going up, setting the screen or getting the ball, being able to pass out of that. That's Nance. He can mm-hmm. do that. Nurk can do that a little bit for sure, but Nance has better passing vision and better skill. He's a better passer. That is going to be really huge for this Blazers team, I think. So that's number one. And then the other thing I, I want to get your take on this. If we think about the possibility, and perhaps we'll talk about it more later in the podcast, but we think about the possibility of the Blazers making a bigger trade. I think that Nance fits this team with more permutations post trade than a Lowry Markinen would have. Mm-hmm. And so Nance, you can really plug in in many different ways. I'm also, so, so I want to get your take on that, but then one more, one more quick thing. I wonder Nance has played on nothing but crappy teams his entire career. Is it possible that he is even more of a value add on a good team than he has been being relegated into the dustbin over in Cleveland? Is that well, actually he played one year with LeBron, didn't he? Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. He, he had one year with LeBron, but that was yeah, that was like LeBron's swan song in Cleveland before he went to LA. So fair enough. And he was like 10 years old at that point. So uh, I had it up here and then I closed it. He was, hey, well, he was if LeBron t- if LeBron can make a uh, Eldrina Silgauskas look like an all-star center then <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i know exactly um so yeah i mean what do you think about that what do you think about that nance is a good player to have if the blazers were to make a cj trade and he can plug in in different ways so that he can kind of mold around whatever the team could look like i mean do you buy that argument well, there's been rumors, you know, and, and people have talked about it. I know Danny Morang on the, the, the Jack Ramsey's, his new podcast has, has, has kind of spoken about like that. He could see Yusuf Nurkic being the, one of the Blazers biggest trade chips in this upcoming trade or trade deadline time, you know, when that kind of stuff happens. And at that point, you know, Cody Zeller has a legit injury history. I'll touch on Nance's injury history here in a, in a smidge, but you know, um, if, if Cody Zeller suddenly moves up to your starting five and now you're suddenly lacking at a backup five, uh, 
um, Nance is somebody who could be in, and as I spoke about, like a small ball five lineup and, and, and play that bigger position. He's, he's got a big body. One of the weird things, I think there's only about like a 10 pound difference between him and Nurk for as much as that size difference is, I swear to God, you look at two pictures of them side by side, you're going to go, Oh, Nurk would absolutely destroy him. No, there's only about a 10 pound difference. So no. And, um, so to basically answer your question, I, Nance is the kind of guy that fills enough spots with little things he can do here or there that he opens you up to different possibilities. Yes. As you were talking about, you're not limited. Like if you had had a Lori Markinen where you're like, okay, but he's got this tall white guy. Who's good at shooting, right? Can't play a league of defense. Can't do this. Can't set screens. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. Well that's going to, you know, maybe how is that going to affect roster construction? So, so Nance is a lot better at this. The, the one thing that people have been picking on with Nance per se is that he, you know, he has an injury history. He's never played, I believe, more than 65 games in a season. Um, but 67, there is how dare you? 67? Give I was him the credit that. for those two games. Do you have that stat in front of you? Because I was yeah. literally pulling that out of my ass. If yeah. I was oh, that nice close, okay. I'm, call- I'm calling that a win on my part. That is within a couple of percentage points, so good job. Yeah, that's uh, that's within a Nate Silver poll. <laughs> oh, man. Nate. By the way, Nate Silver has to stop talking about things he doesn't know about. Anyway, continue, please. Ah, Again, speaking about being good at certain things and not great, but anyways, uh, so with Larry Nance Jr., one of the little known things about him, uh, actually, at least in this market, it was well known in Cleveland. uh, He was diagnosed with Crohn's Crohn's disease. And so a big thing for him when he was growing up and whatnot, he was suffering from, you know, uh, all the, all the things that come with it, you know, you're going with uh, painful cramping, weight loss, fatigue, uh, especially as you're going through puberty and growing up it, it awkward muscle growth and, and whatnot. But finally, when he was diagnosed with that, they, they put him on a, a series of medications and there was literally a summer where he went from like being, you know, like six foot to like six foot seven. You know, and a lot of NBA players, yeah. And a lot of NBA players like do experience those kind of like growth spurts and whatnot, where they bulk up a couple inches, but like seven, eight inches. And especially with dealing with that kind of stuff that throws your body through, through, through a weird phase. And so like a lot of stuff, a lot of the injuries that he's had outside of like the freak thumb injury that he had last year can all kind of be tied back to his, uh, to, to Crohn's disease. And so it's not necessarily that he's injury prone as much as that he has a condition that needs managed and looked after. And if there's anything that you know, we've, we've gone from the era, you know, back with Brandon Roy and Greg Oden, where we couldn't trust the Blazers training staff or health staff, as far as we could freaking throw them to having this staff now where they are very progressive in the, and, and how they treat their medicine and their preventative care and all that stuff. And so I'm I heard that necessary. they vacuum seal Damian Lillard after every game and then put him in a hot sous vide bath for two hours before removing him. And then what they take him out and like, uh, they take him out and like gently pull him apart with forks and put him on a bun. Cause I, I was going to say, that sounds like a pulled pork recipe to me. I have sous vide on the brain. Cause we did a sous vide fish last night. It was absolutely perfect. If you don't know what this is, it's, you get this device that heats the water, right? You put it in a bag and it cooks it slowly, but just unbelievable. It's so good. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking Anyways, now, it's like that episode no, of no, Seinfeld. Stop, stop cooking our players. It's like that episode of Seinfeld though, where uh, Kramer is so hungry that he like looks at Newman and Newman looks like a Turkey and it's, <laughs> it's 
this. Yeah, I don't know. I if you're a Seinfeld that. fan, you know. If you don't, how dare you? Anyway, continue. Well, sorry that, about that. That's also going to massively age our audience. So I'm sorry for anybody 20 oh, and younger. Come on. No, hey, <laughs> I started watching Seinfeld when I was like 20 years old. It was like, I remember. Are I, you serious? I, I watched it live with my mom. Really? I, it yeah. was, my brother used to like it. It was a little over my head at the time it was actually airing. Cause like, I mean, it was really popular, like, you know, like 94 to 98. And that's, you know, I was like, you know, in between 10 and 14, I was just a little bit over my head at that point. I watched it when I'd grown up a little bit. Anyway, check out no, Seinfeld. I, no, no, no. I'm going side tangent here. Cause now I'm kind of curious. Yeah, All let's right. do it. So I, I was only child single mom, but my mom always wanted me to be, or me to know what was going on with the world. And so like my daily routine from the time I was in like first or second grade on was I would get up in the morning. I would go out to the kitchen. My mom was sitting at the kitchen table with her coffee, little corner TV up in the, uh, you know, up, up in the kitchen or whatnot. And we'd sit down and we would watch the news and there'd be a break between like when the local news ended and when the today show started and she would look at me and literally ask my opinion on like, Hey, so what do you think about that? You know, city ordinance that they're thinking of doing or whatnot. And she wanted to get my opinions on it. One of my Hmm. most vivid memories, um, as far as like news stuff goes, when I was a kid was watching the OJ Simpson trial with my mom. And Hmm. when they would cut the coverage off, we wouldn't listen to the news pundits. We would immediately turn the TV off and sit down and talk about how we thought the testimony went that we just watched. Wow. That's a deep cut. That's actually pretty smart. Cause like, it reminds me of like, if something big in the NBA happens to like formulate your own thoughts about it first, like talk to their buddies mm-hmm. about it before you listen to all like the podcasts and stuff. Like yeah. I kind of like that. Props to your yeah. mom. Yeah. That's a good, that's a yeah, good way to do so, it. So that's the kind of stuff I was raised on, but she always wanted to keep me in the know and in pop culture. And so like, yeah, I watched Seinfeld live. I watched, you know, everything from friends live and whatnot, you know, as I got older, it was, you know, when lost came out or fringe, like it up until when she passed away, it, like after I moved out of the house, it was always like shows that I knew that we shared, it would be, that would be my first phone call or she would call me after she watched an episode and we would take like an hour and a half to like discuss what it meant. Yeah. And especially dealing with like shows like lost and fringe and like, and stuff like that, that I'm talking about, like those tend to be kind of somewhat deep shows and, and whatnot. So that, that what you had said about that just got me curious on, on that whole thing. Cause it was, I didn't find that stuff out later. I already knew of that stuff. I like that. We went from the blazers health and training staff to this conversation. See, see where we can go when we're just free flowing just kind of bippity boppity on the show. That's how we do it here. Anyways, I'm boiling this down to, I like the, I like the blazers health and training staff. They're going to get yeah. two thumbs up. I'm not going to pull a Mets. I'm not going to give them two thumbs down. But baseball like cut. One of each. What about like no, a Cisco uh, Niebert type of thing? That, that was a current deep baseball cut for all the MLB fans who listen in. Oh yeah. The guy, the fans are booing him. And so he's thumbs no, downing a, them. And then the that, owner's like, don't thumbs down the fans. They're passionate. Like, yeah, uh, that's not one guy. That's the entire team is, is, no, the entire is team. thumbs down. Yeah. I, but, they, uh, they, this is like another example of players not be, being treated less than human. I think and fans I, I get, get to boo players. Players get to boo fans. Yes. That's as far as I go. That seems, I mean, I, that's what I think too. I have owners pandering to the fans, whatever. I get it. They cut his checks. It's fine. Oh, you're the crappy team in the New York baseball market. So it's, it's, it is what it is. And you know, you can yeah. say that they cut their checks, but they also got it's all their money. Like from, the they fans also got all their money from down. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's, he's, he's not even going like that. I mean, it's a thumbs down. Like who cares? Like, I don't know. Yeah. 
Everyone oh, needs to lighten up. I, I maintain. Just, I maintain. If I ever go to a game and boo a player intentionally, and I'm close enough for him to hear it, and he turns around and boos me, yeah. or for lack of a better term, tells me to just go fuck off. Right. I earned it, and that's within his right. Because if anybody boos me at my job in my real life, I'm probably gonna fucking throw something at him. It's also like that Seinfeld episode where uh, George's girlfriend, I think it was, starts booing Jerry. And Jerry's like, what the hell was that? Why was she booing me? And then like, so then Jerry goes to her work and starts booing her at work. Yep. And she like bursts out of the office crying. He's like, you don't like it, do you? Like, it's, I don't, yeah, you'd be lucky if you booed CJ McCollum, who's like one of the snappier players. I think, I mean, he's a super nice guy, but he's, you know, I mean, he, he's got teeth. If the worst that you got from CJ was a thumbs down, I consider, consider you to be yourself lucky. lucky. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, he's considered one of the worst trash talkers in the league. Like we yeah. never see him say a damn we thing, never but apparently yeah. everybody in the league is like, dude, don't fucking backtalk him. Little he, known he, fact, he, yeah. Little known fact about CJ McCollum. He's a ventriloquist and that's why he talks shit and you don't see his lips move at all. It's unbelievable. It's just unreal. Is it weird that we're in the point in the off season where I have to actually ask if that's a real fact or if you just made that up? <laughs> I made it up, but okay. All right. Okay. You were talking about Nance injury history, the Blazers training staff yeah. and you trust them. Anyways. Yes. And so I, I'm very much on board of the Nance trade. I'm not going to freak out and go over the moon. I've seen a lot of people do that. The, like I said, this is a trade that brought in a balanced player. And especially when you're going to compare it with Derek Jones jr. Who, who went out and we were even questioning, was he going to see the court and get any playing time? You're going to bring in Nance who's obviously going to get playing time and obviously has way more marketed skills than Derek Jones jr. I'm on board of this. Um, me, the, the one little thing that people keep freaking out about the first round pick, fuck the first round picks. Your goal is thank to keep you. Damian Lillard. That's what I was going to say. I was going to ask if you cared about that. No, I don't because people are like, Oh, well, you know, we gave up, you know, I, I understand it's a lottery you know, protected the, the, first round pick from now until the end of time. Exactly. So, and here's how I feel about all first round picks right now. Like, yes, you could throw a first round pick in, CJ in a first round pick is going to get you a better player than just CJ. But again, I crave balance. I don't just crave name brand recognition with my trailblazers roster. I want a guy who fits Larry Nance fits. If it costs a first round pick to get involved in this trade, I am perfectly fine with that. If it's not good enough to keep Damian Lillard, you're going to get all the fucking first round picks and pick swaps that you've ever dreamed of. Right. Because you're probably going to trade Dame. You're probably going to trade CJ. Nurk is probably out the door. Uh, and, you know, in two, in two years, then maybe Norman Powell. Sounds to me like you got about 37 first round picks coming back. I don't care about the last three then. Yeah, I agree. And also, if they wanted to facilitate a trade in the meantime to bolster the roster with Dame, I, I, there are two things they could do. One, they could negotiate to get the protections modified or removed on that pick. Generally, the team mm -hmm. will pay money. They can mess with the with, with the protections on that. The second thing, I put this question out to Twitter, and I did not get an affirmative answer. If you have a first round pick that's lottery protected. Could you have a reverse protected pick to say that this pick is you only get it if it hits in the lottery. Therefore in the same year, you could have a first round pick that's either lottery protected that would otherwise go to you or to another team say only if it's in the lottery, do you get it? Is that something you can do? 
I don't know. They, that might run Cl- into Stepien Clemson, rule stuff. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I DM or quote tweet uh, Larry Kuhn on that. I think the closest you can get is putting the world's most minuscule amount of like protections on that. I, I, I don't know. Well, the, 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 but, the, the, the point by is, the okay. way, yeah, go. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go. Oh, you go. Well, how, how, well, well, thank you, sir. Um, You're welcome. I was just going to say, so neither of us care about the first round pick, but I wanted to talk about one more permutation of the Blazers lineups with Nance. So I don't know where you wanted to go, but that's where I wanted to go. So let me know if you want to put your point first, or if you want to hit my question first, I think we'll touch on your question in my uh, fun preseason roster rankings game. Okay. So I, I want to end the Larry Nance t- or conversation real quick here. This immediate version of it with this true or false. This tweet was written by Neil O'Shea. As the Blazers work to become a better defensive team under new coach Chauncey Billums, Nance's elite defensive impact makes him an ideal fit for Portland. <laughs> that is I, that is that the email that was sent to Woj and he just copy and pasted, or I do you think, think that, that there was some editorial leeway allowed? I think Olshay Snapchatted Woj those exact words. <laughs> with some heart emoji and kissy emoji. Thank you. Woj. Like that literally, I mean, Nance is a good defender. He is a good defender. He's, he's, he's one of the better deflection defenders in the league. You know, who's slightly better than him Covington. Now blazers have two forwards who are really good at deflections, but he's not an elite defender. There's a reason why you've never heard his conversation in defensive player of the year conversation. Blazers still do not have a great one-on-one man. One-on-one. Yeah. He's the, same as Covington where they they're really good roaming off ball mm-hmm. being disruptive, which I'd be interested to see how Billups is going to change their defense. We've heard a lot of talk, right? Like there's been mm-hmm. no opportunity thus far for him to demonstrate how he's actually going to coach this team with defense, but we know it's something that he cares about. So I will be interested in that, but you're right. He's not the best one-on-one defender. So yeah, that tweet from Woj quite literally <laughs> straight. straight from, straight from yep. the old um, moisturized California mouth. No doubt about that. All right. So we're going to take a break here real quick. And when we come back, we're going to get into my, I hope super fun first iteration of the, we like the blazers uh, preseason roster rankings. We'll be right back. All right, guys. So we're back. And so this is, as I said at the top of the show, that something I'm stealing from my other podcast, the Blazer Tag podcast of the preseason roster rankings. I've yet to do this with the guys because we're not going to record until early October because we're all enjoying summer break over there. But I really wanted to do this with you. You originally wanted to do a, you know, grade the off season, grade the acquisitions, give the A plus for this, the C minus for that, the fail for this. That stuff gets engaged. People love being pissed off about it. It's great. And it's also the most unoriginal shit ever. Every sports medium does it. Everybody does it. Every podcast does it. I disdain it with a passion. If you want my grade, Blazers, C. You did the bare minimum. The secret to that, it's always about them explaining the process to get to the grade that I find most interesting. Having said that, you're not wrong. And, you know, that just shows you which of which one of us is more original than the other. And that's fine. I will concede that. that. On that note, 
if you're going to explain the reasoning for the process, I find it a lot more fun to just in one foul swoop, go down the roster, you know, spots one throughout the point. Now uh, I two two ways don't count in this game. Two ways do not count. Get rid of any two way contracts. I think the Blazers have one and that is uh Ter- or, Nope. Uh, Trenton Waterford. Trenton oh. Waterford. Oh, this the only, I, hmm, I'm looking at, the Sorry. only the only current updated one is uh, basketball real GM. Yeah, Nate Duncan has not updated the Blazers. He doesn't even whatever. Anyway, so fair took enough. me a smidge, but yes, two they, ways don't count. They're not on my list anyway. You said you went thirteen deep. Yep, I went thirteen deep. There and are a couple. I, I, we'll figure this out at the end, but I think I I think I follow the directions. Yes, and so it is. You start off with number one, who is the most important player on the team, and you end with guy that I just want to be really good at waving a towel, a la Zach Collins last year. Okay, or Myers Leonard in years past. Wow. So uh, the Myers Leonard honorable least important player spot. Yes. And so in this regard, uh, normally on blazer tag, when we do this, uh, we since 2012 have just counted it down and said, all right, number one, one, two, three, and then say his name because that player has not changed since 2012. So Brandon, would you like me to count it down and we can say that player's name? Let's do it in unison. All right. One, two, three. CJ McCollum. I swear to God, there's one person who does it every year. One. Normally that's my deal. Normally it's my deal. And by the way, I don't go, I don't go CJ. I pick end of the bench guy. I'm like, I know, but that's when he was on the team. I said, Mario Hazonia for number one. You you may, I mean, it's not, I I was thinking like maybe someone would think it was plausible for a half second. I thought that it's obviously Dame. Yes. Dame, uh, no, no reason being given. He was the face of the franchise. He is, if not already on his way to being one of the greatest trailblazer in franchise history, obviously Damian Lillard, no explanation needed. Now I will let you kick off the start of every number. So for number two, who is your second most important person on the trailblazers roster this upcoming year? With the second pick of the Portland Trailblazers, most important on their team draft, Brandon Golder selects CJ McCollum out of Lehigh University. All right. So, number two, is there any reason outside of what could obviously be that he's Dame's backcourt running mate? You know, what's your justification for his spot here? Oh, he's because he's the second most talented player by far. He's an elite scorer. Uh, he's got elite, elite handles, incredible shot making ability. He's a great three point shooter. He bends the defense in ways that make it easier for Dame to do what he needs to do. Yes, he has deficiencies on defense. Those have been well documented, and maybe he's not the best fit besides Damian Lillard. But pound for pound, talent for talent, CJ McCollum is very clearly the second best player on this team. There was a moment in time where that may have been in question, but that moment has since passed. Maybe we'll see that come into play again at some point, but I, I, I doubt it. Um, so for me, it's CJ McCollum, and it's it, right now where we stand. It's not particularly close. Great, I love this. Didn't take us far to get any deviation. Right <laughs> for me, my number two is. Uh, and by the way, uh, you can just consider this like the Mel Kiefer breakdown. <laughs> so right. like you have the draft pick and then you give the Mel Kiefer, uh, you know, you're going to go deep dive into the tape. But, uh, for me, my number two, most important player, hands down in the 
and you got the title wrong, but I'll give it to you. The preseason roster rankings is one Mr. Yusuf Nurkic. Okay. Wow. I'm disgusted with you. I'm disappointed. He has been a pivot point on this team for a while. And as he goes, the team goes (laughs) history has shown us that as long as he's on the court, the Blazers have a significantly better defense. Uh, They are allowed to do a lot more in the offense with his passing and with his, with his pick and roll game with Damian Lillard. He is one of Damian Lillard's best friends on the team. And even if you want to go just a little farther down, he is probably going to be one of the Blazers most attractive trade chips. If they so happen to go that route, come the trade deadline. Uh, he is obviously a, a, a represented by clutch sports clutch likes to keep their clients happy. Use of Nurkic is kind of somewhat a high profile blazer. <laughs> I think that it, it, him being included in a trade could work to net the blazers back a, a player of consequence as they're making a playoff push. But as far as him being on the team, he is right now and has been the anchor of the defense. And as long as he is healthy, the team has shown that they can be successful. I do want to note one interesting thing here with Nurkic's contract. He's on the books next year for 12.8 million. Then one more year, the following year, he then has a $12 million non-guarantee. What's interesting about that is that his contract, I suppose, could work either as a value contract that another team gets his services mm-hmm. for two-ish years, or he can he can serve as an expiring contract for another team. So the, the versatility contractually with him is an interesting point. Yeah. I think he's one of the best values at center in the league. I also think that the way that the, the he is ex- so okay. What I said earlier about CJ McCollum, that there's been a time that maybe he wasn't the Blazers second most important player. That's because Mm -hmm. Nurkic was for a time. I I don't think that he is right now. Uh, His impact in the Denver series was completely undeniable though. I will say that like, it was so clear that if Nurkic could just stay on the court, they would have won the series Um, probably would have picked up maybe a couple of those games. I mean, Mm -hmm. history would be, we'd be in a much different place if he had just stayed on the court, but guess what? He didn't stay on the court. That's part of who he is, man. Like he's not as reliable. He's not as reliable from a minutes per game standpoint. He's not as reliable from, from an attitude standpoint, not to mention the potential injury risk. So, well, you look at it, blazers have better defenders around him. They can have better defenders that they could put in the game. than we're maybe at their disposal with last year's roster and can't, you haven't seen that though. You know, it's, I I think you're right. The the potential is there and we're talking about this upcoming season. So So, wait, wait, I love what you just said. The potential is there because Nurkic at his press conference to end the season was clearly pissed. He was clearly pissed off. He didn't, he was basically saying, I don't even know if I want to come back here. He's very stoked about the Billups hire. Chauncey Billups has gone out of his way to be like, we're going to feature use of Nurkic more in the offense. Chauncey Billups has also said he's gone out of his way to say how much they're going to focus on defense. And yes, part of the reason why Nurkic couldn't stay on the floor is because he was being asked to do way too much defensively. So everything was funneled to him and right. he was the man on an Island. And, and Billups is saying that is not the way it's going to be anymore. But all of this Ryan 
is hypothetical. It's talk. We have not seen it in practice. So, so <laughs> by I, the way, you know what the cutest hypothetical is? Is that everybody keeps saying you well, agree obvi- with me finally about something? That well, would be very that, cute. It's uh, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's uh, like obvi- people are talking about like obviously they're going to still stagger Damon, CJ, and one of them is going to be running the point. They we don't, don't know need that. A point. We have zero fucking clue. We have no idea. We have you no have idea. Nine years of stats doing that. You assume the, the the base principle is that you want one of your best players on the floor at all time so sure they probably will stagger in some way shape or form but we don't know but you so, don't know so here's here's what i'll grant you i will say if you are uh i i'm trying to give you credit here but i, I just look <laughs> what you're describing hasn't happened yet that's the problem with this is like yes like i wouldn't be shocked if it so happened, all the stars aligned, the Blazers defense and the offenses change and Yusuf Nurkic finally hits that, that maturity switch mm-hmm. flips for him. His passing goes up another level. His outside shooting goes up another level. And now all of a sudden Yusuf Nurkic is like a borderline all-star like that. Wouldn't that would be awesome. I don't expect that to happen, but it totally could. Cons- and in consider that- this, okay, consider this. His after next year, it's not guaranteed. Correct. This is a pseudo contract year. Oh, How do we is. see players perform in contract years normally? Pretty well, but I will say this. Uh, his contract is such a value. He would have to play very poorly if the Blazers didn't trade him for them to not pick up this option. I, I mean, he's young enough this, still. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so, true. But uh, he, he'll be motivated. Uh, okay, so all of this is to say that you're wrong, first of all. Second of all, you, maybe you'll end up being right. I think the most likely scenario I think the most likely scenario is that he's not the Blazers' second most important player. But what you've described is 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 a great fan fiction for if it were to happen, that is what it would look like. So I'll give I'll give you that. Stay tuned for my uh, my uh, Twilight fan fiction coming out soon. Uh, I cannot wait. All right. So now I love that this much debate has happened in the first two. <laughs> So with the number, number three, Brandon, who is your number three in the preseason roster rankings for the Portland trailblazers? Now I see you didn't even give me the opportunity because I changed my notes to, to reflect the, the proper phrasing, which you've given us, which is the preseason oh, roster. Go rankings. ahead. Go well, ahead. With the number three pick in the blazers preseason roster rankings, I select Yusuf Nurkic for all of the reasons you described. Uh, but in my view, CJ McCollum is more important for all the reasons I described. So I'm assuming that we just have those two flipped. You would assume wrong, Bob. What are you doing? Okay. You're trolling it. You're trolling. I'm not trolling you. I'm not trolling you. I'm not. (laughs) This is absolute hot take. Stephen A. Smith madness from you. You have an absolutely. No, 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 no. Yes. No. My number three for the trailblazers preseason roster rankings is one mister. Holding his same spot from last year, Robert Covington. You're such a troll. Whatever. I am not a troll. I am not a You're troll. Not when the blazer, when the blazer started off and Robert Covington was not entirely like sure of himself in the offense or his role that played into a big part of their early season struggles last year. And at the tail end of the year, you saw him coming on a lot more and a lot more team success happened when he, because he's a great help defender. He's a great team defender. He's not a good individual defender. And so a big part of where I see him contributing this year is that he knows the deficiencies 
for lack of a better term, of his teammates, he knows where he should better help out. He knows where his outlets on offense are going to come from. You can shake your head at me all you want, and we can disagree until the cows come home, but Robert Covington is the third most important player on the Trailblazers roster. No, he isn't. This year. Yes. No, he's not. Listen, Skip Bayless. Robert Covington is a perfectly fine player. He's a perfectly oh, fine role player. He is He's more a, than per- he is a fantastic fucking role player. If if he was the Blazers' third most important player, then why didn't the Blazers do better last year? I, I can't. Like I don't understand. Because it I don't took understand him why with the, the truncu- with the truncated offseason and the lack of a training camp and the limited practices that they were able to have, it took it him only a affected lo- him. It didn't affect it, anyone no, else. It, it affected the entire damn team. But it took him a long time to figure out his role and where he was best suited to help Just the team. Because and he I, got better he doesn't out- mean he's the third best player on the team. All right. All right. Fine. We're not going to grant it. But well, well, hold on. Me, no, I'm not done yet because, no, and, and by the way, I am tracking your rankings and my rankings so because I. what I, how I like to end this season is looking back on our lists and figuring out how wrong we were. There's no universe in which Robert Covington, if, the, if Robert Covington, here's the, here. Okay. If he, if Robert Covington is the Blazers third, most important player next year, it's going to be a bad year, whether Dame is traded Nonsense. It'll or be whether people are injured. Year. It'll be there a is no universe year. in which he's the third most important player. And it's funny because like, again, like the, the player that I thought the Blazers were trading for when they gave up two first round picks to Houston to get him in the first place, mm-hmm. he started becoming that player later in the year. And there's mm-hmm. no question about that. And that was once awesome. he gelled. That was and so awesome now to that's see. It. And that's that was his great. starting point. That's his that launching pad from this year. And that was so, so if he good. can improve. I expect more from him this year and a bigger contribution and to be more important to the team. Okay. You're trolling. Got Skip. I am, skip I am over. not trolling. I am <laughs> not trolling. Just Stephen wait. A. All Smith right. over there. Whatever. Okay. All right. So Brandon, we'll number four goes to you. Uh, I need to ask a rules clarification of the judge, which is you on number okay. four. I have a four A and a four B. Not allowed. That sounds like a four and a five to me. Um. Okay. Well, I will, I will say then my, my four and five I have on my list is four a and four B, uh, which shows to people that I think that they're very close in their potential impact for next year. Uh, but I will say my fourth pick of the Blazers preseason roster rankings is Norm Powell. And there's a reason why the Blazers paid him. We agree. Oh, finally. Yay. We finally got one, but that means then where do you, I'm wearing a CJ McCollum Jersey right now. Look at how upset <laughs> you're making me. Where is it? Just what is, yes. what is happening right now? This is so stupid. No, it's oh not. And I have a justification for it. Anyways, no, you don't. I'm, sh- I'm sure what are you talking about Enlighten the world Bro. as to why we both think that Norman Powell is the fourth most important no, player. Cause I, where I is guarantee CJ McCollum on this we'll list. Get to it. Don't spoil my list. We'll wow. get to it when we get to it. So him. dumb. Let me fix my hair. That is, I mean, okay. I, it is so hard for me to get over what's happening. Right Don't now. you see why this is such a fun exercise? Jackie McMullen is so disappointed in you right now. The most credit. I just, this is so dumb. Okay. Hey, <sighs> I'm trying Jennifer Norman Powell. 
Uh, he is very important for this Blazers lineup. He is a versatile defender. If maybe a little bit undersized for where he's going to be starting at the three, he is one of the best corner three point shooters in the league. He also is good on the break and transition. I'd be interested to see if Chauncey Billups gets the Blazers running more, especially now that they have Nance uh, it's possible. Um, that would be nice. He can do a little bit of ball handling. So he, I mean, he, he's an important player for this team because of what he brings on both offense and defense and he's versatile. He can plug in in different ways. Um, and again, that's why, the, you know, in order for the Blazers to have any chance at all at re-signing Damian Lillard, they really needed to sign him crediting the little mm-hmm. Shea. He was able to do it. That's great. No, th- not credit. You don't get credit yeah. for doing the bare minimum of no, what your job cre- was. No, no, no. It's credit. It's that's credit. You showed up to school. It's credit. You get credit. You get some credit from me. Um, he's also on a, on a, on a relatively, not a valuable, he's not a value contract. He, he is properly paid for his position and the Blazers control him through the, the rest of his prime, which, which is great. Um, there are other players who are not as good as him who have been, um, who are being paid more. So potentially if the Blazers needed to pull off some kind of a weird trade could be included in that too. So he's important for that reason as well. So that's, that's what I'm going with. All right. We agree on Norman Powell. So this means, and, and you gave all, all good valid reasons. Uh, so this means you now get to kick off number five. So Brandon with your number five, I'm just afraid. (laughs) I feel like this game, this game is great. I love this game. I just, okay. I'm, I'm having a really hard time focusing, um, because there's a name missing from this list and his name is CJ McCollum. And, and I'm disappointed in, in you. And so is he, um, so my four B yeah, but I'm right. You no, mean you're five. We're going to put this on Twitter and you're going to get shredded. Uh, that's fine. I <laughs> don't have to respond to the trolls like you do. It's cool. That's true. I do have a problem with responding to people, uh, way too, way too much. My four B or by your rules, my number five for the preseason roster rankings, Maybe a little bit controversial, but I'm sliding in Larry Nance Jr. I love how you say slightly controversial after you've given me crap for having like three controversial takes so far. Your first controversial take, whatever. Yes, I think this is slightly controversial because Robert Covington, I have then below him. And I know, well, I just, whatever. I mean, it's not a spoiler because I haven't said his name. Larry Nance. Larry Nance, again, versatile defender, not a member of the starting five, but makes it into your top five. But here's my question though, about him. Cause we've talked about Larry Nance already a little bit and what he brings and, and what he doesn't bring. My question that I was going to ask you earlier that you said to table for this part of the discussion. So I'll, I'll float it now. All right. Do you think that there is, do you think the Blazers are going to bust out a big ball lineup and a oh, big you're ball going lineup? Mike Richmond lockdown Blazers Ooh. question. I saw that oh, earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. I did say that um, where you have Nurkic and Nance and Covington, and then, you know, either Dame and CJ, or, or maybe if you want more defense, Dame and norm, but can Nurkic and Nance and Covington, can they, realistically coexist and and, and, and where I want to ask this question, the way I want to frame it is against a contending team in the playoffs, because all that matters to Damian Lillard is playoff success at this point. And the Blazers best lineups, is there some advantage that the Blazers could have in the playoffs against the Lakers in the playoffs against the bucks or the nets? Is there some discernible advantage? I have not thought through that enough 
it's kind of a complicated question. So if you're not comfortable answering it right this second, it's, I totally it's understand. Fine. That's it's traditional basketball. You have traditional players. You're not playing players in their new age roles. So like if you have Dame norm Rocco at the three, who he's capable of, and he's a, he's a great help defender. He's not a good lockdown defender uh, or lockdown man defender, but uh, you know, and he's capable as an outlet pass uh, Nance jr. Playing, playing your spot at the four. Who's, who's a good pivot point, a great pick and roll person uh, pairing him with uh Nurk, who I mentioned earlier, like running them out there in like a horn set or whatnot. Yeah. That's, that's completely doable. And, you know, especially in the playoffs, when you go for kind of more of a, a deep, that would be the Blazers, I would say, best defensive first lineup where you're not necessarily sacrificing a whole lot of offense. You have players who can create, you have players who can score, you have players who can pass out and find the open man. And Dame is not left alone on an island in, in that lineup. So yeah, it's it's completely doable. And I think it's completely a, a, a totally successful obviously matchups depending, but nine times out of 10, a successful lineup in the playoffs. Well, let me, let me take one example really quick and not, I mean, I don't mean to spend too much time on this, but let's just look at the bucks lineup um, that they're rolling with. So they lost. Uh, why does he not appear on this list? PJ Tucker. They lost PJ Tucker, but they're going to be rolling. What with, with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Drew holiday, Brooke Lopez and is Bobby Portis going back? Is he Portis resigned? Yes. So is that their starting five or is it Dante no. DiVincenzo starting? There you go. So how can the Blazers with Nurk and Covington and Nance, who's guarding who and where do the Blazers find well, I think their Nance advantage? Is in guarding Nurkic and I think Covington is guarding Lillard. So, wow. Okay. No, that's not what I'm talking about because, oh, are like, you because, I, because I heard Blazers are playing the box. Yes. Because okay, I heard, well, for example, that like, if they were to play the Lakers, that maybe Nance would be tasked with guarding the Lakers will be dead and in a freaking old folks home by the playoffs. That, that team is if so the, freaking if the Blazers and, and the bucks, the, the small city rival finals that everyone's clamoring for from coast to coast, if that somehow miraculously happens and you have Nurkic and Nance and Covington, my, my, my point is like, who's guarding who I guess you put Nur- Nance. That's that's Nurk on Lopez. You got okay. Nance on, 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 that's actually an easy one. Two change, very can, traditional centers in, in, in some respects. Yeah, uh, Nance on Antetokounmpo because uh, Nance yep. is your most mobile defender. You know, Antetokounmpo on has him in size, but you know, as I stated earlier, Nance is uh, Nance is a bigger-bodied individual, and so he can, you know, somewhat-ish handle, you know, um, um, Antetokounmpo in the post. But your hope is that Antetokounmpo is going to be wanting to run around the perimeter and all that kind of stuff. And then yes, uh, Covington on Middleton and uh, Norm is going to be on whoever they're best uh, outlet shooter is. And then Dame is going to be guarding whoever their weakest offensive player is. And uh, looks a bunch like Holiday of and DiVincenzo are pretty similar outside shooters. So I, I'd say Dame on Divin, uh, DiVincenzo and, and Norm on uh, Norm on holiday. It's probably, so CJ's probably not how that would but this is, but I mean, over the past couple of years for the, well, in a closing defensive lineup, like, are you trying to get a last minute possession stop of who's yeah. guarding who? Because if you're trying to outscore, I, I would go with a completely different lineup. I'm Nance thinking, would still be involved, but 
I'm thinking more of like, when I think of like closing lineups, I'm thinking like last six minutes of a close, of a close game. And well, it, you have so many in and out substitutions, defense, offense. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's pick your poison. Are you talking about a defensive well, stop or are you talking about, you need a bucket? Well, I'm saying, I mean, from minutes six until two, you don't have a ton of hockey subs. I mean, you have people, you know, pretty much rolling minute, for minutes, a minute or 90 seconds at a time between ball stoppages. I mean, you don't see a ton of time. Yeah, being taken. In, in that case, you'll see Nance get a, get a lot of run with the rollover. I just of, so of, of putting starters back in and yada yada yada. I would say here's what I would say is that the fact that the Bucks have Brooke Lopez is like one of the best matchups for Nurkic, and so it, that actually works probably better with the Bucks than with some teams than say like an mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. But my point is, I'm curious if the Blazers, if that if a big ball lineup that included Nurkic, Nance, and Covington could actually create some advantages because the NBA has gone so small, gone so versatile. Is, is it now time to go the other way? And actually it's the advantage to have a giant lineup. The Blazers could roll something like that out. It would be interesting to see. So that big ball lineup that you speak of in, in this case, you get a lot of defense and I don't think you're necessarily sacrificing a lot of offense with who those other two players that you could plug and play in Dame, CJ, Dame, Norm, those kind of things. So yeah, you know, they're, they're all offensively capable and it's not, like, Hey, you know, like for lack of a better term on the flip side, a mellow situation where you're getting all offense and you're just going to get a a sieve on defense kind of thing. You know, you can keep a decent lineup in there for a while, but anyways, so my turn for number five, uh, I guess if you want to get up there and rep your Jersey right now, I will introduce one Mr. CJ McCollum. Yeah, I feel I'm doing this kind of with a sad face that he's fifth hey, on your list. Quick, it's quest- just- quick question. Who's the player that we want to trade the most? And who's the player that we have said, if you can re-sign this guy and get him to come back to the team, you can finally trade this player. So who's the what- guy? Who's the guy that's going to potentially get us a star adjacent player in return? Oh, I'm sorry. It's CJ McCollum. Yes, it is. There's no one else that can do it. Literally no one else on the Blazers that can do it besides Dame. So I I don't, I don't, I I don't think CJ could do it by himself either. Well, no, you'd have to sweeten it a little bit. And I said star adjacent because CJ is that's a cop out. That's a cop out. C- CJ is, is, is rather overpaid um, for his production, but, but, but rather that's but, a nice way to, but play. the NBA with its maximum contracts, this is sort of like, you know, Dame and CJ making, you know, within 25% of each other, Dame has more than 25% greater impact than CJ, but that's just, we have a salary cap. That's how it works. Some players are, you get these insane oh, bargain values Dame, on max deals, right? That they should Dame, be worth a hundred million dollars super, a year. Dame makes a super max. That's $35 or 35% of the salary cap. CJ makes a max contract. That's 25% of the salary cap. So Right. I'm I'm just saying like he is, he is overpaid, but it's not ridiculously. So, I mean, there are some players who are much more overpaid for for me. For me, a big thing boils down to that. CJ is, he can get a bucket. He's also a one trick pony and which happens to be important in the NBA in 2021 is scoring points, right? This is also a thing. And I know a lot of people would like to chime in and be like, Oh, well this makes sense because CJ is horrific on defense. Uh, Dame was worse than CJ on defense for the last two years. Just going to throw that out there into the ether. Let that be known. Go ahead look up the statistics or as Twitter likes to say nowadays, just do your research. (laughs) But (laughs) 
For me, I cannot, I can definitely not rank CJ higher than I can Norman Powell. When I have looked at this entire offseason of saying that if we sign Norman Powell, he is a solid fill in and replacement for CJ McCollum. So I had to, how I base CJ at five is I had to figure out where I wanted to place Norman Powell and then immediately place CJ one rung below him. But that doesn't make any sense because part of that, no, part of that logic is because the Blazers best player happens to be Damian Lillard. Mm -hmm. History has shown if you have a guard who's defensively somewhat deficient, you need to surround him with all sorts of defensive players. If both of your perimeter defenders are sieves, on defense, that's a problem. That, Correct. That's that why CJ's at number five. Norm's the thing not is a that CJ, on defense. CJ happens to also be best at the things that Damian Lillard is best at, i.e. getting a bucket offense. That mm-hmm. skill is very valuable for a lot of different teams, including Just Philadelphia not the Blazers. 76ers. Just not the Blazers. Uh, he's, and he's, I'm ranking him on the Blazers roster. That's what I'm saying. You, you, uh, but all, you, you all took, I'm saying, go ahead. You were incorporating their importance in a potential trade as part of this too, right? And CJ McCollum is going to get you your best return of anybody on the team by far. Who's not named Dame. There's no question about that. Doesn't matter true. if he's slightly, but, so, but I'm just saying whatever. my justification is whatever. that if, Nor- if Norman Powell was a good CJ McCollum replacement, I had to place CJ McCollum directly below Norman Powell. And I picked Norman Again, the Powell logic doesn't four. follow the logic. Does, it, Norm is not as impactful. It follows a in my batshit crazy head. So that's all that matters. I, where I will give you credit is that what you're not doing, you're not ranking this based on who is like the best player. You're saying most impactful, no. most important. Yeah. I understand that distinction. I think you get a little bit more leeway with that. I think you're taking an inch of rope and you're stretching it out for miles. This is, this is not a bungee cord. This is a rope, not a bungee cord, not a rubber band. It's a rope. You can't stretch it that far without it breaking. I think your logic is broken. How dare you fans get in his mentions at the witty Ryan on Twitter, make fun of him. This is a terrible take. I hate it. Skip Bayless. That's who you are. (laughs) That's fine. All right. Now we've moved past that. Uh, So let's see. Number six for you. Uh, With a six pick in the preseason roster rankings, I pick Robert Covington, maybe a little bit low. Yep, we've spoken about it. We've already spoken, we've about, spoken it. about him. So uh, for me, I have one Mr. Larry Nance Jr. I think that's fair. We've spoken uh, about him too. Moving on to number seven, Brandon. This is where it got a little more difficult for me. And I also, there is some level of you know availability due to injury or Ooh. potential development that will impact all of these rankings a little bit. I think that the one person who has the potential to kind of bump up this list, if they've really taken a step and who I have at number seven is Anthony Simons. So I was ready to give you a clap and then we just lost it. (laughs) We lost the thread. Anthony Simons is an incredibly mechanically sound shooter and his numbers are beginning to follow statistically. I think the best catch and shoot three point shooter and the, the numbers are year. beginning to follow that. Right. And that's what I'm saying is like, there's a, like his mechanics have always been pretty unreal. They're getting mm-hmm. even tighter and the numbers are now following that. 
his body starting to fill out. You, you saw him last year. He played meaningful minutes in a rotation that needed what he brought. Uh, you look at him now, you know, he's been working out with um, Dame's trainer who now what took a job with the oh, Sixers, Becker. which is a pretty thirsty move by the Sixers. You're not getting Dame. Haha. <laughs> Too bad. Um, it's a consulting gig. He can still train Dame. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I think that Anthony Simons, if he is able to, take a step with his passing and his vision is specifically with his passing will open up so much of his game. Uh, Anthony Simons, I could see him as a low level all-star player the same way I see CJ McCollum. I think that is his potential oh. ceiling and he may not reach that on this team. You had me until that statement. I think it's completely possible. I mean, look at that. Look at how CJ developed. I mean, you look at CJ's first two years. Did anyone see an all-star there? Not really like not until the Memphis series where he really balled out and you're like, Whoa, look at that. But like, you know, Anthony Simons is also how many years younger than CJ at this point in his career, a solid four years younger than CJ was at this point in his career. Ooh, I think more than that, because remember he came out of IMG. So he was drafted at 18, 19 and CJ McCollum was 22. Cause he did four years of college, right? Yeah. So CJ's, I think 30, four years, CJ's 30 this year. Anthony Simons is currently as of June this year, 22. So eight year difference. No, no. I, I at this point in his career, so in oh. CJ's third year, he was 24 and in Anthony's third year, he was 21. So it's like three and a half years difference. The point is he's still 21. What he has. He, oh, he's 22. I just did that. He has room to develop is my point. Uh, CJ okay. McCollum was 22 when he was drafted into the league. He didn't break out until he was 24. So my point is that Anthony Simons, he could very easily be higher on this list if he develops, he, there's an extra click there. His, his body develops mm-hmm. a little bit more. His passing develops a little bit more. He could easily be more impactful than seven, but that's where I put him. Okay. I'll allow it. I agree with most of what you said. <laughs> my, my biggest thing with him is that I just don't think he's a point guard. And until the blazers start playing him as a backup shooting guard, uh, primarily I'm it's, it's, it's a hard sell for me, for me, my well, number playing set, backup shooting guard, if not him, wow, yeah. get to the, we'll get to those That's guys insane. later, but, but they remember Neil O'Shea famously said, we have a backup point guard. His name is Anthony Simons. Well, Neil O'Shea can, you know, whatever, but like, it, it doesn't it. mean you have to play him that way. doesn't mean Billups yeah. is going to want to play him that way. Yeah. So for me, my number seven is Cody Zeller. That's where he enters the list. Our first backup center, our first backup big biggest thing hanging over his head is that he actually does have injury concerns. Granted, he's been a starter most of his career, but he, you know, he kind of falls into that Larry Nance jr. Kind of thing of that. He's not great at anything, but he's good at stuff. And, and that's <laughs> he's good what, at stuff. He is good. Well, at stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's good at basketball. I hear, but, uh, he's great at representing the, uh, bald white guy cat or uh, team. So, uh, that, that gets, that gets bonus he, points for me. He is NBA all insurance salesman lookalike for sure. Him, Alex yes. Caruso and a handful of others. Oh my God. They could, they, uh, are they opening up a state farm and Amfam? which, which, what do you think? It's not a Geico or whatnot, but, but yeah, no, so Curry, family, so, yeah. as long as, as long as he can stay healthy, but the big thing with him, again, I trust the blazers, uh, uh, training staff. I trust the blazers, uh, you know, health and conditioning staff, um, always have always will from this point in time until they prove me wrong otherwise, but he's not going to be playing as many minutes 
per se. I think he's averaged about like 28 minutes a game so far in his career with Charlotte. Uh, the one thing, the one Ooh, wrinkle fewer than that. Fewer 22. Yep. Yeah. 22. 22.7 okay, so, technically, but okay. So we'll round that up 23. And when you're looking at Nurk playing about like 25 minutes a night, which is about where he averages, you got to come up with a couple minutes here and there. I guess that's where Larry Nance jr. Comes in for playing small ball lineups. Robert Covington yeah. can also slide over, play that five. So it it's you're you're splitting center duties with one of the more important positions for the Blazers, as I've outlined with use being number two on this, but, but Cody Zeller, as long as he can stay healthy, the things he can do, he's a solid screen setter. So this is now fantastic because we have two centers who can set great screens. I'm putting him at number seven. That's fair. Uh, I, you know, Cody Zeller is a very, like you said, solid. He's a replacement level player. He's competent. Yeah. He knows where to be and, and, and knows what to do and how to do it. He's kind of like a Mason Plumley ish in that way where yeah. it's just like, he's just sort of, he's, he's there and things are not falling apart when he's there. Um, and he's not being asked to start. He can start yeah. in a pinch, which is also helpful. So yeah, yeah. I'm, you, I'm, you lose a, like, if you're going to compare it to Cantor from last year, like you obviously lose stuff on the offensive end, but this is kind of like that whole addition by subtraction of like, Hey, take away, you know, maybe two or three rebounds a game and, and six points, but he's actually getting stops. He's getting blocks. He's not absolutely getting destroyed on the opposite end of the court, you know, so you're keeping points off the board on the other end. So that that's how I feel about Zeller. All right. That's fair. Number eight. Uh, number eight is where I had Cody Zeller. So, okay. For all the reasons we just talked about, he's going to be, he's going to be in the blazers kind of, you know, truncated rotation off the bench. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get injured. He'll be there as an injury replacement. If someone else gets injured, he's a solid player replacement level. Totally fine. All right. Uh, number eight for me. Hey, as the rule creator, here's where I throw a wrinkle in. My, my number eight spot is the, uh, Mr. Open roster spot. My list is going 14 deep. I am throwing this wrinkle. Get a load of this guy. Get a load of this guy over here. He's putting (laughs) CJ at spot number five. He's putting open roster spot at number eight. I'm wondering where cash considerations is going to slide into here. Cash considerations is not on the list because we do not have cash considerations, but the open roster spot. Open roster spot. And the open roster spot. This is going to be this is going to be this is going to be my little prayer. Please, Blazers, get your head out of your ass and find a competent ish backup veteran point guard that you can sign to a vet minimum to fill out the minimum 14 roster spots. You are supposed to fill out of the league. We don't need any more tall people. We have, we, we can switch things up enough, but what I want to see is less of Dame and CJ, the possibility of them having to stagger and get a legit backup point guard. So for me, that is the reason that is the hope that number eight is open roster spot. Two words for you. Isaiah Thomas. I mean, we can't claim that Dame and CJ are short anymore because you've just brought in somebody <laughs> shorter, but I'm not opposed to it. Bring it yeah. back. I don't care. Yeah. I think, just you know, me, honestly, just like, give me a legit backup point guard and I am fucking happy. And that, that is him. number, number eight, former second open. team, all NBA two time, all-star almost led the league in scoring. I'll even take Jared Bayless back. What the hell is he doing now? I'm not picky. 
I'll, I'll play. I, I think the is Mike uh, Richmond the pass first point guard. Oh yeah, is let's he get busy? Mike in there. I think the latest available reporting before the Nance trade. I think it came from Jason Quick. Is that the Blazers were planning? Shan, well, I'll wait until I say what I was going to say. The Blazers uh, were going to bring in one more player to, to fill that roster spot at some point. Now that the the small forward spot in backup center has been spoken for, I think it's now less likely that LaMarcus Aldridge comes home, although I still would like to see that, frankly. Um, yeah, yeah. I find it more likely that they will bring in a backup guard. And I actually, at this point, why not? Isaiah Hold Thomas. On. And not backup guard. You have to clarify. We have enough actual backup point guards. guards. Isaiah there Thomas was go. a point guard. He wasn't like the no. best passer in the world, but he's done it. He no. knows he can run an offense. He's capable. He can eat he can in, run an offense. He can eat eight to 12 minutes a night. That's all I want. Well, that's okay. all I want. So fine. So, so that's uh, my can number. We change eight. it to Isaiah Thomas instead of open roster spot. No, that's fine. All right. No, I'm keeping it labeled as open roster spot, but we can just say. You know, that's going to be Isaiah Thomas. All right. I would like to note that we're now at an hour 15 and I, that's fine. We're in, we're in, we're in the part of the list where it tends to go quick. Great. Let's go. Number nine. Number nine to you. Number nine, number nine, number nine. Uh, sorry. Shout out Beatles reference. Tony Snell, Tony Snell's number nine. Um, you're getting kind of at the bottom of the barrel here. You're getting past the point where you're really, really solid on what your tight playoff rotation is going to be. I like to think of a playoff rotation as eight deep when the games really, really matter. You may even only play seven players. Eight deep is kind of where it hits for me. And by the way, just to say, I'm going to give Neil Olshay polite clap. You know, I think he's done all right this off season, the Blazers Sorry, are now, I had to look, the sky seemed to be falling. No, the Blazers, you know, they, they have eight competent, decent NBA players. They don't have any major gaping holes, save for the backup point guard. Again, I think with, with Damon CJ potentially staggering again, Anthony uh, Simons, no. fine. But if, my, anybody, my, my, if anybody wants load management, you don't want to see them staggered. My point is that like, that's not like a, five alarm fire type of thing. That's like, a, mm-hmm. Oh, something smoldering over there. Maybe we should go put it out at some point. Like it, I don't think it's like the, the biggest deal in the world. The point is that the Blazers can go eight deep pretty easily. Once you get to nine, it gets weird. Tony snow. I don't know how much he has left. Blazers got him on a minimum. He might be useful. I, he might be useful to sop up minutes if they need an injury replacement. The thing I remember him most for is that one graphic where it was like Tony snow, 28 minutes. Zero points, zero field goals, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero shield. He, he can he can do worse than that on the Blazers. I have faith in that. We call that the six tuple zero. He put up that six tuple zero, rivaled only by <laughs> the triple single, which is <laughs> one of the oh, funniest. Oh, that was great. That, that was, was great. one of the funniest things. Is it Shaq talking to Charles Barkley? I love that. Anyway, mm-hmm. Tony Snell for me. Who do you got at nine? All right. For me, nine, we've spoken about him already. Both gave our opinions. That is where I have Anthony Simons. Uh, that's fine. I think it's a, you know, he would, he would, he would have been my number eight. So, uh, you know, right below where you had had him, but I have open roster spots. So that's, I, I got to give it to open roster spot. See, that's and We're trying to hurry up now. I don't see how you could say if, if your open roster spot is a backup point guard, 
Anthony Simons is demonstrably better than any backup point guard they're going to get. Nope. Because and, I, and he might develop more. He probably will develop more. So that, that, that seems kind of weird. So. I, I just think that uh, having a legit vet backup point guard is significantly more important than having the third year developing sh- shooting guard as I view him. So. Yeah, but he's, he's already pretty good by the way, fourth year, not third. He's already pretty no. good. I mean, like you said earlier, he's shooting 43% from deep on four and a half attempts. That's not he's nothing. Got one skill right now. Show me that he can do more and I'll move him up the list. All I, think, right, yeah, moving, I think he definitely could do more moving on number, number 10, 10 to you, number 10 to you, big Ben McLemore. Wow. Actually now I am starting to get surprised and I'm wondering if you left somebody off your list. Uh, maybe I did. I'm looking again. Um, look, 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 look. Anyway, uh, Ben McLemore again, we're at the point now where I'm not certain these players are going to get a ton of run or a ton of impact. Actually, no, there's one more player that coming up on my next slot that maybe is who you're thinking of, but, um, you know, Ben McLemore, he's an NBA veteran. He has some skill. He's not totally incompetent. He can stop up minutes if need be. That's what I had there. All right. Uh, for me, number 10, uh, Nasir little. I expect totally a breakout fair. year from, I expect a breakout year from him. He he's, I don't know, like if he's injury prone or whatnot, he's gone through a lot of weird shit so far with his COVID stuff, you know, his random fainting spells, all this I think stuff that was due right? to COVID though. No, he had, he had, yeah. He had syncope, which is a, a fainting spell. Oh, okay. That was due to having COVID. Okay. I wasn't sure if those things were related, but yes. he's gone through like a lot of random stuff, but and, and he, had, and he had like long COVID too. Like he said, it was affecting him yeah, for months and he months. Had, he had long haul. So, but so I'm, I'm hoping that he gets a decent amount of run in the second unit this year. I'm, I'm not expecting a lot, but he has also shown that when he came into the league and when, when he was drafted, he didn't have like a three point shot. He couldn't create on his own. And then he worked with the Blazers uh, development staff. And we saw during the minutes that he got that he was able to actually develop in a three point shot, start creating off the dribble, a little more handles, all those kind of things. So there's another year in the league, another year of development. I I'm just hoping for a, not a monstrative step up. I'm not one of those people who are like, he needs to be the backup to call it now, you know, or, you know, Hey, he could even start in the league. I'm not one of those crazy people. Just give me a little bit, step up a little bit more improvement. I've liked what I've seen so far. And I expect to see that similar growth curve continue. That's fair. I'll parrot a lot of what you said. I put him at 11. Um, I'm just, I'm not as high on him. I you know, I don't have as much faith as he's going to develop. And even if he does, I'm not sure like what exactly, what need is he filling on this team? You know, absent several people getting injured. I yeah. see it much more with someone like Anthony Simons, his current talent plus development serving a much more important need than anything. Sim- uh, this year little has done plus whatever development he may go through, but would love to be wrong about this, but I have Nas little at 11. All right. So you're number 12. Uh, so this is where I'm a little confused about who the last two players we're working with are, um, because I don't know if either of these two are going to be on the team, uh, but 12 is Rondé Hollis Jefferson, not on the team, not an option. Okay. Wait, who do you have at 11 real quick? All right, here, I'm just going to finish off my list because not much needs to be said about these three. That's fine. So, so 11, uh, 11 for me, Tony Snell. Okay. 12 for me. Ben McLemore. Okay. 13 for me. Again, keeping in mind that I said open roster spot 13 for me, CJ Ellaby. And last on my list, Greg Brown. 
Oh, is there- that's right. Yeah, this is way out of date. Um, I will. Okay, good call. So I will sub out Rondé and put in Greg Brown. So I have Greg Brown at twelve. Then in that in that case. Okay. Um, and then I'll have. CJ Ellaby at 13 and then 14. By the way, two quick seconds. I got a dog barking in the background. Uh, you talk. You talk. We're working out. Hold okay. On. Uh, well, so yeah, to round out my list, I guess he went 14 with open roster spot. My God. Fine. I'll put open roster spot at 14. Um, yeah, I'm interested in Greg Brown. I mean, he looked good during summer league. We talked about it, Ryan and I did. He looked like he belonged there, which is important. Don't think he's going to be contributing this year. If he does, I think it's more likely something went off the rails than it is that he had some amazing development year. Um, and then CJ Ellaby at 13, I just don't see, I don't think he's an NBA player. I don't even think the potential is there, unfortunately for him. Um, I mean, I may even put, I just don't, I don't, I, that's fine. I just don't agree with putting open roster spot above an actual human being, but I might, if it, so Ryan, I was just saying like, I might, if I were that cruel, I might put open roster spot above CJ Ellaby at 13. But so my 11, 12, 13, 14, then with I had forgot about Ellaby and Brown are Nas little Greg Brown, Ellaby, and then open roster spot. So, um, and your 11, 12, 13, 14 were Snell, Macklemore, CJ Ellaby, and who was 14? Greg Brown. Greg Brown. Okay. So, and we don't expect those people to contribute. And so that concludes our preseason roster rankings. I was right. So- you're wrong. Make fun of Ryan. That's fine. Isn't that game fun? See, isn't yes. that a lot better than doing a grade the trade, grade the offseason? There's a lot more debate and nuance into it. You got to legitimately you call each other stupid. That was legitimately way more fun than I expected. So good job. I'm glad I listened to you on that. Um, so All right. No regrets. So, so on that note, we're wrapping up. We're not going to have anything on our, we'll fall back here on our normal recording schedule in about two weeks. I believe this upcoming, uh, normal recording day, uh, we are both out of town. Um, and so we'll, uh, we'll be back then in the meantime, you can go ahead and follow a uh, Goldner at, uh, at Goldner PDX on Twitter. You can follow me at the witty Ryan. Uh, you can follow us at like the blazers on oh, Twitter. He's doing it. How uh, cute. Uh, do we have an email? Is it? We like the blazers at gmail.com. It is indeed. All right, then you can go ahead and shoot us an email there and tell us how stupid we are and how wrong I am for having CJ at number five on my preseason roster rankings. Also, top of the show, we had uh, said, what, what do you like hearing out of your podcast? Do you like our, our uh, banter more than guests, or do you want smarter people than us to take up more of this airspace? Until next time, Goldner. Uh, go can, I, can I say one epilogue thing? No. By the way, that was an excellent ending. I, that was great, and you ruined it. ruined it. Well, wait. Well, what? One quick thing, though. I, we might have to have an emergency podcast if, if, if. We, I don't think we mentioned Ben Simmons during this whole time. I, just to say. Oh, yeah, that's right. That Daryl Morey overplayed his hand. He totally did. And just really quick, uh, the reporting is now coming out that Ben Simmons is not going to report to the Philadelphia 76ers training camp. We don't have time to talk about it now. But what does that mean? That means that Daryl Morey is waiting for a Dame trade. Ain't going to happen now. And I think that CJ McCollum is probably the best they're going to get for him. So we'll table that out. If Simmons gets traded for CJ... Now, no, here's emergency the emergency pod here, if it, CJ gets traded. Yes, it, it, correct. Emergency okay. pod if CJ gets traded. Uh, last little bit about the Ben Simmons. The Minnesota Timberwolves can offer an amazing package, and I feel is that that is the ultimate fuck you to Ben Simmons with him saying, I want to go to an LA team <laughs> in which he would get traded to a city that goes, Hey, we used to be one of those. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I and also this twist about Simmons said apparently he doesn't want to play in Portland. But anyway, fascinating to see how that works out. Um, take us out of here again real quick or just I don't know. You already you did such a great job. I felt I, bad, I but did. we didn't get to I it. Did. It's you know what? Okay. Hey, then, then we're up. done. Click bye. Okay, bye. Peace out.